0: Greetings, nerdos, and welcome to Episode 5 of 78 Episodes 30 Good Ones. I am your red shirt level quality host, Oliver Rockside. Thank you very much for joining me again. Uh, I'd like to take this opportunity right off the top to thank everybody who downloaded uh, the previous episode with the great Doug Slater. And I must uh, extend my thanks to Doug for joining us as well. Uh, 15, 12 minutes on pizza is always a good time, people. We can have pizza and Star Trek together. It's possible. And uh, Doug helped me prove it, prove it. And thank you very much, Doug, for uh, joining in for the last episode. Uh, just before we get to our, oh, she's, she's going to be a great guest. And she is a noob, people. It is a voice you have never heard uh, on a podcast with me before. And it is her first podcast, but we'll get there. Uh, because I just want to encourage you to uh, go to uh, to iTunes and uh, give us a review. Uh, give us some stars. I will not be offended if you just give me one. Plenty of women in my past have given me one star. It's nothing new for me. So uh, even if you uh, don't like the podcast, uh, please just weigh in. If you've got the time, give me a little blurb as well. All, what All this does is help grow our community and make sure that the podcast goes out to a wider audience so if you do that for me I would really appreciate it now to our new guest as I said a noob um one of the things she's quite famous for is that she is a restaurant reviewer so you know that that's right up my alley right off the get-go from Madeira Beach Florida it is her debut Megan Range is with us hello Megan
1: hello Oliver thank you thank you
0: How are you this evening?
1: I'm great, glad to be here.
0: Oh, it's our pleasure to have you. Uh yes, Megan is uh lives in the swishy part of town and uh enjoys uh the beach, the Gulf of Mexico. Uh and uh she is a certified nerdo as well people. I have certified that. Uh she is about to tell us all about uh her Star Trek. Uh origin story. But before we get to that, I have apologized in person, but I feel I should do it publicly as well, and that is to apologize to Megan's partner, now fiance, Monseltov. Uh Candace, who is not a Star Trek fan and had to watch all of these episodes for this for this show. Candace, I am very sorry. And while we're at it, uh, I must thank Megan as well. Uh, Megan, uh, if you haven't clued in by now, by the last name, is of Irish descent. And uh, Megan is my corned beef and cabbage pusher on uh, St. Patrick's Day. And she provided this year as well. So yummy. Thank you, Megan.
1: You're welcome. I love cooking it.
0: Uh, and and Candace has has officially uh, forgiven me, has she?
1: I mean, I'm still pushing even more Star Trek honors. So I, I don't <laughs>
0: Well, and that's a good place to begin, where we will start with uh, your origin story of Star Trek, Megan. How did you get to be a fan of this show?
1: Sure. So when I was a kid, was in the 80s, early 90s, Next Generation was on TV. And I grew up on a farm, so we just had the local channels. We didn't have cable or satellite or anything. So what was on TV... On the five channels you got was what you watched, and so next Star Trek: Next Generation was on TV all the time, and that's when I really got into Star Trek. Then later I went off to college, went to engineering school, and um, I discovered all these other nerds that love and appreciate Star Trek. And there's other series, the original series, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, Enterprise. Wow. Enterprise was a little later, and it was wonderful. So that's how I fell into it.
0: Now, I think I know the, the answer to this question, but is is your favorite series Deep Space Nine, Megan? No. Of them all?
1: Uh, either the original series or Next Generation. I'm not sure.
0: Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Very, very interesting. So you came to it... Um, now you're from Southern Illinois originally, so I guess you're you're getting it from St. Louis. Was where you were getting your Star Trek from? Is that correct? Right. Yeah. Even though St. Louis is in Missouri, people, right? It's right across <laughs> the river from Illinois. So, uh, okay, interesting. So you started off with Next Generation. Who's your favorite Next Generation cast member?
1: Uh, Captain. I mean, oh, you're a Picard woman, I, are you? Yeah.
0: Okay. Okay. Very good. So that's her origin story. That is uh, wonderful to hear. Are you ready to carb load, Megan?
1: Oh, I'm so ready.
0: Okay. Well, we are going to begin with an absolute fucking disaster. (laughs) And it announces itself to be a disaster right from the cold opening. We are going to begin this week's show with, Is There, in truth, No Beauty? This is a third season episode. Uh, It has three uh, guest characters if we well two really but there's three we'll get there Uh, and uh, this Megan is a complete mess now before we get into it what was your overall view of this episode
1: it just it was so absurd it was so far out there and in the original series that is Kind of a common theme because they were starting something new and different. But this is just, wh- wh- who does this make sense to?
0: <laughs> uh, it, it, it doesn't make sense in any way. And this is what announces itself in the cold opening. Where we are introduced to Dr. Miranda Jones, who is played by Diana Muldar. This was her second of two appearances on a Star Trek, the original series. And she, of course, will go on to be Dr. Pulaski in The Next Generation for Season 2, which I think we all can admit was a complete disaster. Miranda Jones, or Dr. Miranda Jones, is a human who has never been to Earth before, yet trained on Vulcan. The reason that she was trained on Vulcan is that she is a telepath, and she has been working as a kind of a liaison with an alien species called Medusans. Medusans apparently are master navigators, and the Federation wants to pick their brain, as it were, if they had a brain. And this is where our first conundrum comes into play here, is that Medusans are formless. We are told they are formless. Yet the sight of one by a human drives them instantly insane. Megan, how can you be so hideous that you drive someone insane when you are quote formless?
1: Unquote. Right. And the funny <laughs> thing about this being filmed in the 60s was they portrayed the the vision of the Medusa, the, the wild colors and the what looks like static on the screen. I thought that was really funny. You know, the 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 classic original series special effects. (laughs)
0: Oh, yes. Yes, they did not remaster that, people. (laughs) If you were thinking (laughs) that they remastered the Medusans, no. Uh, It just, it looks like an outtake from, remember that Monkeys movie called Head? It just seems like an outtake from that. (laughs) Uh, So that's... Character number two that we're introduced to in the cold open. And we'll get back to him. His name is... The Medusans' name is Ambassador Kolos. We're going to get back to him in a second. Because we have to talk about the most superfluous character in this whole thing. Which is uh, Larry Marvik, Who apparently had a hand in designing the Enterprise. Yet, Megan... Why is he here?
1: <laughs> it it doesn't make any sense other than to throw in a very brief love story, maybe because they, they ran out of material. I'm not really like, sure.
0: Like in a professional sense, he's not there for any particular reason. Nope. That I can see.
1: Nope. Just storyline.
0: So now we have to get back to ambassador Colos. Now that we've introduced Dr. Jones, Larry Marvick, And now we have to introduce the ambassador. He is so hideous and so ugly that he is kept, and I'm not kidding, in a box.
1: Is the box even locked? I'm sorry? Is the box even locked?
0: No, this is part of the mystery here. Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, Um,
0: First of all, you've heard of Dick in a box. Uh, This is Kolos in a box. Uh, and why is he in a box? <laughs> it's the, formless, the weirdest thing.
1: Yeah. The formless species in a box. Yes.
0: Now I'm going to ask you to remember something for later on in this conversation about this episode is that all of the humans, even though ambassador Colos is in a box and is going to stay in a box, even though he's in a box, the enterprise has to clear all of the corridors and the transporter room and and clear them uh, clear them from having humans in them because ambassador colos i guess may spill out of the box <laughs> <laughs> i don't know because if he's in the box then we don't have a problem and i can prove that to you when we get to the end so Right from the get-go, we have uh, a human who's never been to Earth, yet trained on Vulcan, as kind of the liaison to Ambassador Kolos, who is an alien who is so ugly he has to be kept in a box. And then we have Mr. Marvik, who is there for no particular purpose. So right off the get, we're in problems. Now we get to the next scene, which is a formal dinner. And the formal dinner is, how do I explain this? It's basically doc, Dr. Jones and five other guys.
1: And they're all at the, in a race to get Dr. Jones.
0: Oh, to get them panties. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, except except for Spock. Oh, of course. And I'm thinking, my God, this woman is bitchy. But then I think... You've just spent a whole evening with four people hitting on you. I'd be bitchy too if that yeah, ever happened yeah. to me, which it never has. Force so I, I I kind of re I kind of rethought it, Megan, and thought, okay, I kind of get it now. <laughs> the worst <laughs> of which is the worst of which is bones. He does this whole southern charm routine.
1: And it doesn't work.
0: <laughs> well, you know, it, it doesn't work because she is she's got no time for that kind of shit. <laughs> Uh, meanwhile, during this dinner, I'd like to point out one thing. Is that Scotty broke out his tartan. Now, no. I did not look up whether that is actual Scott tartan. But uh, nice touch, people. The other thing is, is during dinner, she gets all super bitchy with Spock. And this is the first indication that we have a little jealousy going on between Dr. Jones and Spock. Because even though... Dr. Jones trained on Vulcan, she is not Vulcan. So therefore, as she works on making this link with Ambassador Kolos, she knows that Spock probably can do a better job than she can at the present time. So we have a little bit of jealousy there as well. But in the middle of all this, because she is a telepath, Dr. Jones just announces to the whole group that she knows someone's thinking about Dum-dum-dum! Murder! For no right. particular reason.
1: Well, she was right, though. Someone was thinking about murder.
0: She was right, but uh, Megan, I'd just like you to put yourself in this dinner. Would you kind of walk out with all this stupidity going on around you or would you just kind of put up with it?
1: <laughs> no, I would leave. I don't put up with that crap.
0: No, it's like, I mean, nobody was rude or anything like that, but it was just kind of like, oh, God, people, Anyway, the funniest anyway.
1: part is that later, um, you know, they, they're meeting up after the dinner. How was dinner? I thought it was lovely. I'm like, that was not a lovely dinner, liar. <laughs>
0: <sighs> yeah, no. So uh, so she has a right to be miffed, I guess. Um, <clears throat> so she retires to her bedroom or her, her suite or her cabin or whatever we're calling it this week. And... Larry Marvick shows up to try to try and mac out on her, and uh, she is so not interested in Megan.
1: Oh, it's so it's the coldest rejection in history.
0: And he didn't get the hint up to this point.
1: Uh, and, am I, am I right here that he spent years trying to get her? He knew her previously.
0: Yes, that's the impression I got.
1: Yeah, but. But he keeps trying. Poor guy.
0: Oh, and he gets shot down. He got friend-zoned something fierce. In oh, this.
1: he tried to kiss her, and it was the coldest resting bitch that has ever existed. She didn't move at all.
0: <laughs> now, we should mention at this point that Dr. Jones has a secret. And without giving it away, Megan, it's never really explained whether Marvick knows the secret. You would think that he does, correct?
1: Uh, he didn't know, but I mean, okay, if, well, if he's if been around he her for years.
0: He must've known.
1: Right. I mean, I mean the crew on the enterprise figured it out, you know, in a couple days. So how did he not?
0: Yeah. Again, it's an, it's another thing to this that makes no sense whatsoever. Now there's a line and I think you wrote it down cause I've forgotten it, Megan, <laughs> that, uh, that, Idiot Marvick says to Dr. Jones, okay, do you have it handy?
1: I do. He said, okay, go. He said, you're a psychologist. Why don't you try being a woman for a change?
0: Your psychologist tries being a woman for a change. Oy. Oh, yeah. The 60s.
1: Oh, 60s.
0: <laughs> oh, just bad. Anyway, she friend zones him. And he feels that the solution to this friend zoning is to go and kill Ambassador Kolos. So he shows up phaser in hand to Colos's quarters. Unfortunately, Kolos opens his lid before the phaser goes off, which sends Marvik into complete insanity. Now, this is really the only reason that Mr. Marvik has ever been showed in this show. Is because while he goes bonkeroonies and is a former uh, uh, designer of the Enterprise, he knows how to make the Enterprise go so fast that it goes and exits our galaxy. So they are lost because they have no reference points to go yep. by. And then he dies, and he dies for reasons we don't know, <laughs> right, Megan?
1: Well, Miranda did something, but they don't talk about it.
0: What did Miranda do?
1: It's okay. It seemed like she did some. She had something to do with it. Because she oh, said, you if you love her, you will die. Or if you love her, she will kill you. And then he dies. And so uh, the crew's looking at each other like, uh, but then they don't talk about it.
0: No, they don't. So that's the end of Marvik. So we're down to now two uh, uh, people. Because they're now lost, of course, they need the talents of Ambassador Kolos. How convenient. Now, of course, the natural to kind of uh, be able to talk to Ambassador, the conduit to talk to Ambassador Colos would be Miranda. However, Miranda does not know how to pilot a starship. But guess who can be telepathic and pilot a starship? You guessed it, Spock. And the jealousy comes out. But I don't understand why she's jealous of Spock in the first place. It's not like Spock's jockeying her for her position.
1: And Spock was offered the assignment before she took it. Is that correct?
0: That's correct. And he turned it down.
1: Yeah. So maybe, I'm not sure. Maybe that has something to do with her big ego.
0: Could it be that Miranda's a bit banana pants?
1: Um, Maybe, maybe yes. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Anyway, so Spock gets, so Ambassador Colos tells Miranda that Spock's the man in this particular case. She freaks out, uh, and uh, Spock now puts on his little red visor because he can look at the Medusan with his little red visor. Mm-hmm. And they link, and so Spock becomes half uh, Ambassador Colos in his mind and maneuvers the ship back to safety. Now you would think that that was the end of the episode. Oh no! We now have to have the Spock Miranda face off, because what happens is is that they put they build a little cubby for a, a, uh, for Ambassador Kolos on the bridge, so Spock can go and meld with him without anybody else seeing him. So the meld goes forward. Spock comes down, Meld Meld is successful, Spock comes down, pilots a ship, then goes back up to the little cubby to disconnect himself from Kolos. But it's inferred in the show that telepathically, Miranda told Spock to forget his visor. Is that what you got from this, Megan?
1: Oh, yeah. Okay. Right.
0: So that of course drives, first of all is banana pants. So that's showing Miranda's psychosis. And of course this drives Spock insane cause he doesn't have a little red vi- visor. So um, he is in sickbay, and Kirk has to have this big long lecture with Miranda to do the right thing. And since she tricked him into not taking his visor, she has to fix his brain. And she argues against this until Kirk convinces her to do it.
1: Well, he failed. Anything about
0: this? Anything about this, Megan? It's 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 psychotic.
1: Well, Kirk failed at charming her in, into distraction. So I I don't know. Maybe he thought this would work.
0: Oh yes, we forgot about the rose garden. Mm-hmm.
1: The <laughs> yes, yes. Rose garden. when
0: when the news has to be broken uh, to Colos that Spock's the best man for the job, uh, they want to get Miranda out of the way temporarily, so Spock and Colos can have a bit of, can have a bit of a wee mind chat, and uh, and they take Miranda to the rose garden. This is where we discover the little secret uh, that uh, uh, so Kirk's in there charming the pants off her, unfortunately, well, for Kirk, unfortunately not charming the pants off her. Um, uh, And uh, they leave and this does not work on uh, Miranda. They leave and um, Bones reveals that she is blind. This is the reason that she can work with a Medusin and that she has a kind of a fishnet outfit that has that has the sensors on it although we had questions in the rose room whether she would actually know she was among roses
1: mm mm-hmm. did does we figure that smell. one out megan no she knows distances like i know something is 10 centimeters away but she knew it was roses how
0: i mean smell maybe but do you, does someone have that f- finest smell to know a rose without seeing a rose.
1: I don't know. Who knows? Not me. It's all a bit <laughs> mystery. Anyway, <laughs>
0: points off, points off bones for revealing patient, uh, doctor confidentiality. So there's a strike on his record somewhere. Cause he just announces this. But when you think about it, Marvick had to know that she was blind. He had to. Anyway. anyway. So we get back to the, the final few scenes and uh so Miranda finally breaks down and does the right thing and <sighs> Spock's all better. And we go to the closing scene and I want to bring this up for two reasons. Number one, Megan, she Miranda gets to keep her job. Why? She's she, banana she, pets.
1: Right. <laughs> she tried to destroy an, another being. She's proven she's
0: banana pants, right? Right. That's That's number one. And did you notice in the final scene? So Spock is in there with in the transporter room, and he is ready to transport down to uh the Medusa ship, uh, uh, Ambassador Colos and uh, Miranda. Now, we have been told that no human. Can look upon this box just in case Colos spills out. Mm-hmm. We have had corridors cleared. We have had little cubbies built. All so no one looks at Colos's box. But guess who is in the transporter room without a visor when all of this is going down? So they completely negated this whole, we've got to build the cubby, clear the hallways routine because Kirk is in the transporter room looking at the box without a visor.
1: Yeah. Th- that is inconsistent throughout the whole episode, such as when they're navigating and they just have a tiny wall. And then again at the end with no visor, <laughs> yes, it's, I know. it's bonkers.
0: <laughs> well, my question was is if, if, if Coles is behind the little cubby in the uh, in the uh, in in on the bridge, what if there's something reflective around?
1: <laughs> oh no, no big deal. Do they have
0: to do the whole um, the, uh, the Shiva routine and cover up anything that's got a mirror or something? I don't know. Any more notes on uh, this particular stinker, uh, uh, Megan?
1: Well, um, Kirk using his charm, his line at the end. He gave a rose to Miranda she said i suppose it has thorns he says, i never met a rose that didn't oh, oh. god
0: <laughs> that is that, that that that's not cheese that's like fresh gouda i mean that <laughs> is that that is some pretty people oh. yeah just terrible okay so that's third season do not recommend no nah. One star on Yelp. (laughs) You want to get to the next carb?
1: I'm ready. This is
0: the first season one. And uh, this is the fourth uh, episode that they did. And my God, Megan, this goes on forever. (laughs) And this is called The Naked Time your general thoughts on this particular episode
1: it there's too much useless filler like you said it drags on but the effects because this is early very early in season one yes effects are even worse than the episode we just discussed from season three and it is laughable these the, the lack thereof effects
0: would you like to describe your favorite one of them
1: in the in the very beginning, they go down yes, to the yes. frozen planet. So uh, uh, it was Spock and and who else was on the frozen planet? Oh, some uh, nameless. Oh, Joey.
0: Joey, yeah.
1: Joey, yeah. He goes down. Uh, Joey goes down with Spock, and <laughs> it's supposed to have all these dead bodies on it, and it is a mannequin. It is the worst mannequin <laughs> I've ever seen, and it's laying. It's just sitting on the ground, and they're like, "Oh." These people died here. (laughs) Like, that's supposed to be a person?
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's the special effects in this whole thing. And while we're talking about it, um, we should mention that this uh, episode is based upon a virus. And apologies. And uh, from our quite recent experience, the actual suits that they're wearing are laughable. What
1: is it made of? It's red, like...
0: It's this it's red, like red kind of polyester, but it's all open. Mm-hmm. I mean, you would not be allowed on Delta Airlines in this outfit right now.
1: Absolutely not. There are no seals. No, no,
0: no, there's nothing.
1: I mean, the guy Joey, he just reaches his hand right up the neck area to scratch his nose. Like, it's just wide open. How is that protecting them?
0: Nothing. Nothing. And the other thing is, is, how do we know that there's oxygen?
1: Hmm.
0: That's the other thing. Anyway, the planet that they have landed on is called Psi-6000 and they are there to A, pick up the crew, which apparently have turned into dummies um, <laughs> and uh, also watch as this, pe- as this planet basically implodes uh that disintegrates so that's what they why they're there and in the cold open that's what we're seeing is the first part of their their job is to pick up these particular scientists well they go down and this is one of the stranger things in this because we find out a little bit later um how this virus is transmitted but in the actual cold open they show it being transmitted by something that looks like blood But then we find out later that it's not transmitted by blood. So we're right. Again, it's like our last episode. The cold open is already a problem. Now, to be fair, as we go through this, we're only four episodes in. They have a lot of ground to cover about establishing characters. And I understand that. But this thing is so fucking verbose. There is no action in this whatsoever. We're going to get to the only action part because I think it may be Megan's favorite part. It
1: is.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So uh, we should point out that this virus is shown as basically making people drunk or acting like they are drunk. And the first time we see this is Joey who is the first person to contact this virus is in the mess hall and he tries to kill himself with a butter knife. Mm
1: -hmm. Oh, it was. actually does
0: succeed killing himself with a butter knife. If I remember correctly, is that not true, Megan? Mm,
1: I believe so. They just kind of, he went to sick bay and we quit, we quit talking about it. So,
0: (laughs) but this is transmitted through touch. So anytime anybody gets touched through this, uh, they become in kind of this drunk state. Uh, I believe the next one is uh, a friend of yours, in oh, Mister really. Riley, our good Irish person in this episode. Oh,
1: yes, uh, his quote is, "You know what Joe's mistake was? He wasn't born an Irishman."
0: There we <laughs> go. Now. We will see uh, Riley again, of course, in uh, an episode that we've already reviewed in uh, "In The Conscience of the King. Uh, but uh, so Riley... So Joey gets it, then Riley gets it, then Sulu gets it, right?
1: Oh, it's the best. And Sulu gets it. He's fencing, you know. Yeah, Sulu, Sulu. Sulu
0: is a happy drunk.
1: Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. He's definitely a happy drunk. He's fencing topless. And my favorite part when he has no shirt which is funnier that they're still in the beginning of season one establishing characters and they do this to sulu <laughs> here's this character uh he's nuts and uh, he says something funny right before he goes up to engineering and the laugh he does it's like a cackle Ha! <laughs> yeah, yeah. his acting was hilarious in that scene it's
0: maniacal and we now know that in 1966 George takei had like 1% body fat.
1: Uh, yep.
0: <laughs> yeah. Cause he is ripped in this. Uh, so we go to Sulu and Sulu starts running around. Like everybody's just basically acting drunk. I mean, that, that that's really the extent of it, except for Sulu, who's the happy drunk. So he's running around with his sword. Um, and, uh, then she, he touches Christine chapel she's the next one right Mm -hmm. okay so she starts feeling it and um she is a type of drunk i don't know if i can mention during this podcast um but uh basically she decides to give in for her lust for spock
1: yeah or she tries
0: Uh, yeah she tries uh and of course spock blue balls are big time um And it's just, again, it's like little segments of these people and they're kind of building character, but it's not going anywhere because it's all words.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Now, up to this point, we have not mentioned this crumbling planet. There's a reason for that because nothing, they don't give us anything to go with on that.
1: No. And, And the big climax is, oh, we're spiraling towards this planet. But there's all these other side stories. Shouldn't that be more important? We're spiraling towards the planet.
0: You you would think. Uh and all we see of the spiraling towards the planet is just like a, a globe spinning in front of in front of the, the view screen. <laughs> right. That's the whole action.
1: Oh, those effects.
0: I know. Anyway, so Christine gets it. She's she's him stuff for Spock and then Spock gets it and he turns into this puddle of emotions. It's just absolute mess. And I think it's the only time I've ever seen Leonard Nimoy overact. You had a different view sad. of it. Though, right?
1: I mean, it is sad The the acting was dramatic, but I I'm not that surprised. I mean, the original series had a lot of overacting in it.
0: It did. It, very much so. With Shatner in the room, I mean, come on.
1: <laughs> yeah. You can't compete with that guy.
0: Uh, no, no. To pay work, superb. Overacting, superb. Use of arms, superb. I mean, Shatner's got it all. <laughs> so finally, M- McCoy realizes that this virus is spread through water or sweat. But in the cold open, it looked like it was transferred by blood. Now, of course, blood does have water in it, but why don't you just show us water in the cold open? Mm -hmm. So that made no sense whatsoever. Now, we should point out that, that this, of course, was made into a Next Generation episode called The Naked Now, which is equally as bad as this one. Except it has a very iconic moment in the fact that in the next generation, the naked now is the episode where Yar yes. asks Data if he is quote fully functional unquote.
1: Right. right.
0: So uh, yeah, I'm wonder whether people think fondly on the naked time because of the naked now and its iconic kind of role in Star Trek dogma in canon uh, because this episode just sucks.
1: Yeah. I, I'm i surprised they reused this idea. Uh, it's just not great.
0: It, it's not great whatsoever. It's it's horrible. And uh, am I going to give this one star? I'm going to give it one and a half. I'm oh, being nice funny. to think. Yeah. Think. What do
1: you think? One and a half? I think one and a half do lose (laughs) performance.
0: Okay. Any more thoughts on the naked time?
1: Oh, yes. At the end, when uh, the the vaccine or whatever the cure is for the virus comes through to the bridge and uh, Kirk's, you know, sleeve is ripped off just to give him an injection. (laughs) He he couldn't have done that (laughs) through the clothes
0: or his neck
1: oh yeah or is any exposed skin really i i don't
0: know yeah like there's seven other people on the bridge who presumably have already gotten it not a ripped sleeve among them nope perhaps bones was craving for a little bit a little bit of shatner beefsteak. what do you think uh,
1: yeah i that's all i can there think we go. Of. that has to be it
0: yeah <laughs> absolutely absolutely i think that was i think that was there was something going on there yeah, this episode is is just not good. There's one other thing that I was going to add to this, but I've forgotten. Uh, and uh, sorry about that. I'm sure it'll come to me at some point. Uh, but that is The Naked... Oh, yes, of course. Why are we calling it The Naked Time, Megan?
1: From Sulu being topless, I'm assuming?
0: Is that what we're going with? Because I'm just thinking this is a 60s version of clickbait.
1: Um, Nobody's naked. I- I wasn't sure of that either, because when I went back to watch this, I was like, I don't remember why they put the word naked in it, and it was driving me nuts. And I'm like, all I can think of is Zulu.
0: Like, yeah, mm. uh, are they naked of barriers so that they can let their emotions out?
1: Oh, don't but. give them that much credit. They didn't think that much.
0: No. <laughs> I th- I'm thinking it's clickbait. <laughs> yeah. And now let's do some protein, shall we?
1: Yes, I'm ready.
0: Okay. Now, I think to discuss this, this is also a a first season episode. I really enjoy this, but we have to, because I think that I've enjoyed enjoyed it a little bit more than Megan did. But I think it might be best to talk about the bad parts of this, because there are. This is not perfect. Um, The bad parts of this particular episode. Uh, And this is a first season episode called Mary. And that is our good one for the week. Or for this episode. But you did have some ick problems here, Megan.
1: I and I think did. we may
0: disagree a little bit, and it may be a man woman thing. I don't know. But um because you're a woman, you're important is much more important in this particular case. So explain to me what, what you how you kind of had an ick factor with this.
1: So Captain Kirk and Mary, the supposed fourteen year old, we're going with about fourteen years old. Um she <sighs> She's flirting with him. I, I'm not sure if he's flirting back or if he's being fatherly, but it's, it's blurring those lines and it's getting confusing and it feels a little wrong. So
0: you, you think that he was flirting with her? Yes. That's your perception?
1: Not a lot, but yes. Okay. But a little is too much because she's 14 and 24.
0: Right. <laughs> I can, cer- I can certainly say that, see that. I think the argument that you and I would have is that I think that Kirk right from the beginning uh, thought was fatherly to her, which you think is worse, right?
1: Well, I mean, if you're going to be fatherly, stick with it. Don't throw in anything that might be perceived as flirtation because she does okay. fall in love with him. So why is that? She perceived it as something as flirtation or she just was a teenager you know yeah puberty. and I
0: think that's that's the point um before we get into the story I, I, I also think there's a problem that has to be pointed out that drives me crazy is that as science fiction fans we are asked to have a certain uh actually an extra amount of suspension of disbelief because it's science fiction you know none of these things can happen in our world um So our suspension of disbelief has to be great. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: But when you go thousands and thousands of light years away and find a planet that is exactly the same as the one we're on, I'm sorry. I got to call you on that one. That's shenanigans. That's just stupid.
1: Right. It's identical. And there's no... (laughs) I'm sorry? It's identical to, they said, approximately 1960. Oh, how convenient this was filmed in 67 yes. or 66.
0: Yeah. Post- don't do that. Cause it takes us right out. And mm-hmm. I had to laugh at one thing because um, this is a virus story as well. So they're in a medical situation uh, at one point and you know, the beakers are out and all this kind of stuff. And then there's a sign and I don't know whether you noticed it or not, Megan, but it says no smoking.
1: And I'm like, oh, I did not. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. So we're on exact uh, duplicate of Earth, including tobacco. Wow. It's like, oh, people. No, no, no. Anyway, I will tell you why I think this episode is great. Just to give you an idea of the plot, however, is that uh, they find this planet that should not be here. That's an exact replica of Earth. There is a distress signal being uh, sent out Uh, from it. Uh, The Enterprise finds this, beams down to this planet that is in complete disarray, and they discover that there are no adults on this planet. There are only prepubescent children. The children are known as onlys, and the adults are known as grups, which is basically a show for short form for grown-ups. As the Enterprise beams down, Yeoman Rand is on this landing party for reasons of dramatic convenience. That's it. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is there to identify with our lead character, Mary, and to create a jealous rival for Mary with Kirk. It's the only reason she is there. Yeah. Now, what makes this to me great is the performances of two actors. None of them named Shatner. Although, Shatner was rather understated in this. The first one is Kim Darby. Kim Darby plays Mary. Now, at this particular time, Kim Darby was 19. So, she's playing younger than her real life. Of course, Kim Darby became famous three years later by being in True Grit, uh, the original. Yes, there was an original True Rit People with John Wayne and uh, Glenn Campbell. After that, she kind of disappeared. And she's disappeared to this day. She's still with us, I believe. Um, She may have been in a love boat or a murder she wrote somewhere along the way, but she kind of disappeared for some reason. Apparently, Wikipedia tells me she became an acting teacher. Uh, But what I love about her performance here is that she does... She is very understated. Her acting is very subtle. And for someone portraying 14 years old to portray it in a subtle way, I think is very tricky. And I think it's kudos to her. The other actor in this that I really like, and this may be, I know it's before Megan's time, but this may be before most listeners time, but um, one of the most revered character actors of his time was a man named Michael J. Pollard, who was in this as well. I forget his character's name, Megan.
1: I don't have it.
0: Yeah. Um, anyway, Michael J. Pollard is in this. Michael J. Pollard was kind of the Christopher Walken of his time. Um, I use that comparison because Michael J. Pollard had a, little of an, a bit of an off-kilter accent a bit of an off-kilter way of speaking. Um, Always a character actor, never the lead, uh, like Walken is. Um, But he was revered, even to the point, and this is a little fun fact for you people. When Michael J. Fox went to the Screen Actors Guild to get his card, um, he was not named Michael J. Fox. He was just Mike Fox. And uh, when uh, SAG, the Screen Actors Guild, told him that there was another Michael Fox, that he would have to have another name, he came up with Michael J. Fox to honor Michael J. um, And now I've gone blank. uh, Pollard. Michael J. Pollard. Because of his character acting work and that Michael J. Fox was such a fan. So that's the two reasons. And I love the story of this. Uh, the idea, basically, that this virus was created to extend the life of everybody on this planet. But it ended up working for everybody until they reached puberty. And then this virus would kick in. And that's basically what this episode is about. is about them finding a cure for this virus because they identify it very quickly yet they take seven days and it's kind of interesting because usually the timing on on um star trek is very like one day two day and in mm-hmm. this particular case they actually specify the seven days um and uh, the other thing is is how to deal with these only these children who of course are children and act like idiots most of the time um i'm not a big child fan uh There is another episode of Star Trek with children involved, which we are getting to, trust me. Um, But uh, this little journey of of plot point, Megan, how did you feel about it? Did you enjoy it?
1: I can see how this storyline could be believable for those that aren't into a big suspension of disbelief. We always, Mm -hmm. the fountain of youth type of thing. So I actually don't hate... That part of it. The storyline. Okay. But. Um, it's just.
0: It's just the ick factor.
1: Oh. Yeah. The ick factor. But I, I do agree that Pollard's acting. Candace and I both were impressed with that.
0: But you can see he's kind of awkward. He's kind of an awkward actor. Yes.
1: Yeah. He is. But it works to his benefit. Because he can play those roles. Well. That others just can't pull off. You got to be a little wacky to pull off. Right. Those types of like, roles.
0: Yeah, like walking, you know? Exactly. That's why the yeah. comparison I always I, I always kind of make. I think it's worth the viewing just because of uh the journey that's taken through this. Now, as opposed to the naked time, this t- I found very snappy. Didn't you, mm-hmm. Megan?
1: Yeah. As compared I, to
0: the naked time.
1: It it was smooth. It kept moving along. There was enough storyline and I don't know. I, I didn't mind watching this one.
0: No, so you think this this was the favorite of your of the three that you that you enjoyed? Oh,
1: absolutely! This was yeah. the one that was the least hated, I guess. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. Um, now we should say that that uh, basically uh, Kirk finally wins over the children who have stolen their communicators. Uh, because uh, the communicators are important, because really the enterprise is doing all the scientific work on, on the cure the vaccine, and the children stole uh, the, um, the communicators. So uh, there has to be a way for, um, for, for Kirk to get them back. So he has to charm the children. In the meantime, the children have kidnapped Yeoman Rand we have to talk about that about that thatch wig at some point. Did anybody did anybody ever think that someone could do that with their actual hair in the front yeah. of their head?
1: There's not enough hair on anybody's head to make <laughs> that wig in real life.
0: And we should put it down that Megan knows this because at a previous time when I know Megan, uh, her hair was probably down to her waist. So uh,
1: It was out. past my waist, yeah. I cut 24 inches of hair off September, yeah.
0: Yeah, there we go. Um, so um yeah, so they so because Miri is jealous of Rand and wants to get the competition out of the way, she gets the children to kidnap Rand as well. So that's again, that's the only reason Rand is on this landing party. And uh finally Kirk convinces the children. Uh it's it's annoying. Uh there's one particular kid in this that I could just kill. Um
1: is it the scrawny uh, one?
0: It's the bonk bonk guy.
1: Oh yes, yes. Yeah, oh f- fuck you. Mm-mm. You know it's like I, I, I hate any you. More. <laughs>
0: yeah, I was about to go. Where were your parents? And then I realized what I was saying. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, so everything gets sorted out. The vaccine does work. in the reason we know it works is because everybody is getting so pissed with each, with everybody, with everybody else. Then finally bones puts it upon himself to try it himself. And in probably one of the worst, uh, special effects gigs, again, it's 1966, uh, him losing the blisters that this virus has created is laughable.
1: Yeah. They're like neon blue. Yeah. Something growing on this. Not skin. good.
0: Not yeah. good. But the episode is good. It, it, I'm not going to call it great. It's very good, though. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's worth a watch as well. Uh, any final yeah. thoughts on Mary?
1: Oh, yes. Um, Kirk's final words. Oh, uh, oh, yes. Okay. Whenever, was it the nurse or the yeoman? Is it was, it was the yeah. yeoman that mentioned. Uh, what he thought about Miri. And he said, I never get involved with older women because she's roughly 300 years old. We didn't mention that. Yes. Yeah. Yes.
0: Cause the aging, the found of youth works on the children until they hit puberty. Yeah. And it's, it's like, I had to giggle at that. Of It's like, of course he doesn't date older women. He's Kirk. <laughs> Don't we know anything about Kirk?
1: But that was the only reason not that she was 14.
0: No, it's true. <laughs> that's a very good point (laughs) oh my god yes Uh, so that is Miri and uh, uh, I hope you'll enjoy if you haven't seen it before or have forgotten about it which I'm finding is uh, what a lot of our uh, protein episodes end up being are are good ones that people forgot about Uh, so we will wind it up there uh, Megan, I know you're not on social media, so I can't, you know, throw out a, you can't throw out a Twitter handle or whatever. Uh, but thank you so much for being here. Uh, I very much oh, I appreciated it. it.
1: Yeah, this was fun.
0: Would you be willing to join us again?
1: Sure. Why not?
0: Oh, fantastic. Well, that's a great news to hear. Um, uh, Megan may not be on social media because she's smarter than the rest of us. Uh, but I am, uh, you can find me at Oliver Rockside or you can find the show at 20, uh, 80, at 78 episodes pod. That's at 78 episodes pod. Uh, just before we go, thank you very much for joining us once again. And next time, I knew him when he was just a cub reporter, but now he has become both the political and cultural conscience of guelph ontario canada adam a donelson joins us next episode for an episode we are calling roma tomatoes on a greek pita until then kids say goodbye megan bye bye nerdos toodles